Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam. This is Sammy and Michelle, and you're listening to the 14th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we're going to be talking about boundaries. Boundaries. But first, uh, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you, Michelle? I am great. This chick is vaccinated, or at least I got my first shot, which I'm pretty excited about for COVID. We are all excited. The entire family is relieved that the last person in our family is finally vaccinated. Yeah, it was a little bit of a drama. But how are you doing, Sammy? I'm doing well. As you know, I've been jump roping in the parking lot. Yeah, how's that been going? It's going well. But this week, I was caught on camera. Oh my god, what? (laughs) Yes. So apparently, they're having this mobile mammogram clinic at my clinic in the parking lot. So my boss was out there taking photos of the parking lot. I was doing a little hoppy thing, jump roping in the parking lot. After I came back inside from jump roping, she's like, yeah, I got a picture of you skipping. I'm like, skipping? She's like, yeah, jump roping in the parking lot. There was just no way to cut you out of that photo. (laughs) I feel like the people who come and look at those pics are going to be like, is this something we need to factor in? (laughs) But yeah, so now everybody at my work thinks I'm a psychopath. I think at some point you're going to be exposed. Fact. But, you know, I'm impressed that your work lets you do whatever you want during your lunch hour. Yes. And if they had a problem with me jump roping in the parking lot, they would let me know directly because that would be a good boundary. Ah, yes, Sammy. Getting to our topic today boundaries. Sammy and I learned about boundaries a few years ago when there was a popular Mark Manson article that was going around, which we'll make sure to include in the show notes. It really changed our perspective on a lot of things. And I can definitely say that personally, it's improved a lot of my relationships. Yeah, Michelle. I think being Indian, growing up in our family, boundaries, they're kind of a little bit blurry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very communal culture. And that can be great, but that can also come with poor boundaries. Yeah, I'm sure people can relate, Sammy. I don't know if it's just like having a family of a certain size or having a culture that's so interdependent. I mean, I don't know. I'm no anthropologist, but maybe there was some value to it. But there is definitely a lot of history, a lot of millions, if not billions of people that have terrible boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think when we found out about boundaries... A concept that never even occurred to us, quite frankly. Exactly, Michelle. And Mark Manson defines healthy boundaries as taking responsibility for your own actions and emotions while not taking responsibility for the actions and emotions of others. What a concept. What a concept. Who knew? Really? I mean, seriously, who knew? I'm not (laughs) supposed to be responsible for mine and everybody else's emotions. (laughs) Aren't I one giant family unit and I'm responsible for everybody's feelings? (laughs) In different ways that we've heard bad boundaries. One time I told my mom that I wouldn't have kids till I'm 30. Joke, I'm 30 now and childless. But she responded, I'll be dead by then. (laughs) She's still kicking. Undoubtedly, Michelle. And Mark Manson breaks people into two main categories. People who expect others to take too much responsibility for their own actions and emotions and 
other people who take on too much responsibility for the emotions and actions of others. A good example, Sammy, of people who expect others to take too much responsibility for their actions is when I get hungry and I'm living at home and I say, nobody is feeding me, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) She actually says this. It comes out. Living at home (laughs) brings out the worst of my boundaries. It really regresses us to the really bad boundary phase that we were in before. Some other boundaries may be any family member asking you for money because they really need it. And if you don't give it to them, something really bad is going to happen. I know, Sammy, when I'm at work, I think both of us feel this being a little bit more client-facing is somebody all of a sudden never heard from them the last few months. I need this done in the next 15 minutes or my business is going to implode or whatever it is that they expect you to drop everything and just tend to their needs. Yeah, Michelle, that happens all the time. And my favorite phrase to tell myself is, your poor planning is not my emergency. It helps me remember that they are having bad boundaries. A big one that we first noticed is even with our friends. Some friends will be like, how could you do X, Y, Z? You know how sensitive I am about these things. Yeah, Sammy. Or I've been in unhealthy relationships where people might say, oh, like, you know, I get jealous when you hang out with those people or you don't appreciate me when I do X, Y, Z. Or how could you make plans without me? Which is definitely a very unhealthy relationship and very bad boundaries to have with your partner. Yeah, Michelle, I've had partners who are like, you don't call me every day. You don't love me. Just really unhealthy boundaries and putting your emotions on to someone else. It's so true, Sammy. And I have been guilty many times as saying things like, thanks for wasting the last two years of my life (laughs) when I have full ownership of how long I'm in my relationships for. Exactly, Michelle. And the other type of boundary issues that Mark Manson talks about is people who take too much ownership of other people's actions and emotions. I definitely feel this, Sammy, when I'll project something onto my parents and I'll say, oh my gosh, they're so lonely because I'm not hanging out with them or I'm a bad daughter because I'm not doing X, Y, Z. And it can even present as people trying to be helpful or they're really just taking too much control over your life. I remember we had an aunt that said, we'll get the first daughter married off by Q1 of this year and then the second one married off by Q4. (laughs) You gotta appreciate her business sense, quite frankly, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) my mom had to be like, yeah, we're not trying to do that with our kids. Thank you for your unsolicited timeline. Or, oh, you're having infertility issues? Have you tried doggy style? Oh my god. (laughs) Does that work? No. Status adulting, medical opinion here. I don't think there's any evidence for that. (laughs) (laughs) I know with my work, I really had to learn not to take on too much responsibility for things that were not part of my job, like say like party planning or people's birthdays, whatever it is, because then I would become resentful. And I was like, this isn't even part of my job. Why do people expect me to do this? And that was definitely a bad boundary that I had within the workplace. One that I'm guilty of is friends asking for advice and me giving them tons of unsolicited advice for days. Articles, podcasts, it never stops. Quote unquote, asking for advice. (laughs) Who knows if they really asked? I'm definitely guilty of that too. That all being said, Sammy and I are a lot better about our boundary issues because awareness is the first step to recovery. And while Mark Manson separates this into two types of people, I think for me, with different relationships, I can be guilty of both, where I'm either taking on too much responsibility or I'm projecting and making myself a victim and not taking enough ownership over the problems that I'm going through. That's so true, Michelle. And one thing about boundaries is 
as kids, we learn to lay down boundaries, so we're not going to get physically harmed in any way. And then boundaries kind of advance to your laying down boundaries to get your needs met and not take on other people's responsibilities. And I really think they even progress further than that to creating a life with people who are on the same page as you, who foster you, and eliminating the things that really bring you down. By having good boundaries, you can really grow as a human and people want to be around people who have good boundaries. There's nothing more frustrating or unattractive than someone who has bad boundaries. Agreed, Sammy. And so I know when I'm trying to work on my own personal boundary issues, I have a few different steps that I take. So one is identifying what I want, knowing what are the things that are important to me, what are the things that maybe tick me off or annoy me, what are the things that make me happy? Because first and foremost, you have to know yourself to know exactly what is important to you as well. That's right, Michelle. From there, it's important to see, are you the one who is putting the responsibility on others for your emotions and actions, or are you taking on too much responsibility? And from there, determining what is the boundary you want to lay down and what are potential consequences of laying down that boundary. Definitely, Sammy. For me, if I'm the one creating a narrative that paints me as a person who's being the victim, I think, okay, are there ways that I can take ownership? For example, Sammy was listening to podcasts in the morning and she wakes up a lot earlier than I do. And so at first I was grumpy about it and I was annoyed. I was like, my sleep's getting messed up and being woken up, having to listen to this podcast every morning. And I was like, okay, does Sammy (laughs) know this bothers you? And so we had a conversation about it and you agreed to put headphones in at least until a more decent time in the morning for the rest of us. Yeah. And now you also do the same thing at nighttime when I'm trying to go to sleep. Exactly. Other times, Sammy, if it's somebody else is putting a lot onto me, for example, my mom and I had a little bit of an argument over when I would get my COVID vaccine because she obviously wanted me to get it I think as soon as they rolled out the first one was her expectation. We like Dr. Fauci and then me. <laughs> we were honestly we were arguing with about it last week. But I talked to my mom and I said, hey, I know you want me to get the vaccine. Look, I'm going to aim to get it by this day. But please do not keep asking me about it because it just makes me want to get it less. And she agreed to that. She was very okay with that boundary. And I was actually able to get the vaccine the next day. So it worked out perfectly. That's a great example, Michelle. It kind of hints at something that's really important. And that is that people respond to your boundaries differently. And especially people who don't have good boundaries at baseline often respond really negatively to the boundaries that you lay down. And that might be a negative reaction that they get over after a few days. Or sometimes that can even be a negative reaction that really puts a strain on the relationship. An example from our family is our cousin-in-law. She married into our crazy boundaryless family. (laughs) And she came over for one of our family parties and she was like, you know, we have to go at seven o'clock because we got to make sure that the kids get to bed on time. And of course, everyone in our whole extended family is like, oh, don't worry about it. Just throw them on the couch. They'll just fall asleep. (laughs) You know, that's, that's what we always do. And, you know, to this day, I still do love sleeping to the ambient noise of a party in the background. (laughs) But this is not the way that she wanted her kids to be. 
raised. So she was very firm about it. And she's like, no, you know, we need to go home. They need to go to bed on time and get a proper rest. Let me tell you, it did not necessarily go over well. People were definitely talking smack as soon as she walked outside of the house <laughs> early. Like, oh, you know, that's so picky. That's so, you know, uptight. The audacity <laughs> to have boundaries, really. <laughs> At bedtime, what the heck is that? <laughs> but honestly, I mean, over time, our family did learn to accommodate that. And they actually really respect the fact that she laid down those boundaries now. I think they respect her for maintaining her ground. Yeah, Sammy, it really created a better relationship, which is the thing that surprised me when I started to have firmer boundaries. For me, I think I thought that, oh, if I demand certain things or if I try to have these strict, rigid ways that I want to be treated, then maybe people will be upset or maybe it'll be really inconvenient to people. But generally, people respond well. And what I'm really doing is teaching people how I want to be treated and what respect looks like to me. That's so true, Michelle. I actually really appreciate people who have strong boundaries because I have confidence that no matter how I behave, they're always going to let me know how they feel about it. And there's not going to be a lot of stuff that's hidden under the surface that I have to worry about. I know, Sammy. I really value my friendships now where someone might say, hey, do you want to hang out Saturday? And I can just say, no, I don't (laughs) want to. I don't have to make an excuse. I don't have to commit to it and then flake. Like I find that I have not only just like better relationships, but I'm also happier myself because I know that the people around me respect and love me and give me the space to speak my truth. Exactly, Michelle. No is a full sentence. Preach, girl. When it comes to working on your boundaries, a lot of advice focuses on identifying your boundaries, making a list. And Sammy and I, in investigating different ways to do this, came across an NPR podcast, which we'll link to the show notes. And the suggestion was create a circle where you list everything that makes you feel seen, supported, and heard. And on the outside, put anything that is a distractor or anything that doesn't make you feel seen, supported, and heard. We decided to try this exercise because we didn't really know where it would go. And I think both of us were pretty surprised at the results. To be honest, Michelle... I was a little unsure about this exercise because it seemed a bit vague, but I really learned a lot about you and me and our boundaries, and I love it so much that I want to post it so that I can always remember what makes you feel seen and heard. Love you, Sam. Love you, Michelle. So for me, in my scene-supported, heard circle, I found that most of the things that I wrote reflected me having positive people around me who help me grow. And in the distracts from being seen, supported, and heard outside part of the circle, I found that it was mainly either people who in some way feel negative about others or themselves, or people with a very different value system than me. Sammy, I found it interesting that on the outside of your circle, a lot of it was like archetypes in your head of people who you feel like are your distractors or examples of those types. As for me, I noticed that inside my circle, it was a lot of little things that I realized I appreciate that people do. Small gifts, when you bring me like a chocolate, when my friends remember my birthday or like a work anniversary, little things like that really mean a lot to me. Or if they remember my obscure food allergies, whatever it is, those are things that actually warm my heart. A lot of the things on the outside of my circle, kind of the opposite, obviously, people who I feel like don't listen to me, interrupt me. And also like criticize like anything about me, my clothes, my attitudes, whatever it is. Those are things that I find to be distractors. Having these things listed out helps you understand, okay, if this is what I like and this is what I don't like, I'm starting to understand what my standards are 
when it comes to what I expect when people are approaching me or who want to be a part of my life. In particular, Michelle, I found this exercise pointed out how though we have a lot of similarities in what we value, there are also differences in what people need to feel like their boundaries are being maintained. We're sisters, we know each other, and there's still differences that we don't expect. So when you think about people like strangers or your friends, you really have to indicate to them what your boundaries are and ask them what their boundaries are to get a good sense of what's going to make them feel seen, heard, and supported. That's so true, Sammy. The truth is, is a lot of times we think that the things that we like are also what other people like, what's important to us is important to other people. But understanding not only your own boundaries, but the boundaries of the people around you helps you know how you can support them and create a meaningful relationship together. Additionally, Michelle, I really found that this exercise really points out how boundaries evolve. They start off like don't physically harm me and really basic things that we all want. And then they move into things that are really specific to us and really specific to our authentic selves. And by learning how to be more in tune with ourselves and teach others about ourselves, we can be our most fulfilled selves. Consequently, Sammy, the stronger boundaries that we have, the more we can ask from people. I think when I was younger, or even in my teens or early 20s, I was more focused on how I can make other people happy and also really required the bare minimum for what I considered like good treatment. I'm happy to say that now, like later in life, I, I do think I demand more from people and The nice thing is that people not only meet those expectations, it actually creates a healthier relationship because I'm able to express my expectations. People can either meet those expectations, negotiate those expectations with me, or sometimes you just realize that you're two people who your expectations don't match. Exactly, Michelle. And it doesn't mean that anybody's right or wrong or anybody's a bad person. We're all on different journeys and we all just need to find the people who align to us most. Sammy, that's definitely something that I really value that I've learned over time. Setting and maintaining your boundaries is an exercise that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that I feel I'm constantly revisiting and constantly adjusting. But my life is definitely a lot better once I realized that I could set boundaries and ask and expect for a little bit more. For adulting versus status post-adulting, Sammy, I was thinking about how earlier in my life, I used to be really bad about putting a lot of stuff on my schedule, not keeping track about it, and then canceling last minute, flaking, etc. And something that I started to do that I really liked was to keep a calendar literally for just my social engagement. And then I would also book time for days where I could see that my week was busy and I would just have a day to myself. That really helped me set better boundaries with people because I could actually look at my calendar and say, okay, I can't hang out with you for the next two weeks. I'm busy. I have a couple of days where I'm resting. Kind of like a take it or leave it. Less relevant because my social life hasn't been as busy since COVID, but that was definitely something that took me from adulting to status post-adulting. Yeah, Michelle, I remember that was a big change for you because you were constantly drained before that. And then after that, you just had more space. And a lot of times we have to make space for ourselves to have alone time. For me, a boundary that I had to acknowledge was that I throw away other people's things. (laughs) (laughs) And especially, you know, moving in with my parents, I really had to be like, hey, 
my space is this bedroom and outside that space is not an area that I can control. I can happily clean it sometimes if that brings me joy, which it does. But throwing away or getting rid of other people's things and secretly taking them to goodwill, that is wrong. And I do not do that anymore. (laughs) For the most part. (laughs) For the most part. So my adulting thing for this week would be me throwing away and getting rid of other people's things because I felt they did not need them. To status post-adulting, understanding that it is other people's choice to keep things and that is not my decision to make for them. I'm so happy for you and for our parents' things. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Status Post-Adulting. We have been seeing a lot of new people tuning in and so welcome we're really excited that you're taking a listen if you are enjoying status post adulting we would love if you left us a review on apple podcast thank you so much to everyone who has said such kind words up until this point if you have any questions or topics or anything you want to share with us including an adulting versus status post adulting feel free to send us an email at statuspostadulting at gmail.com or you can send us a DM, follow us on Instagram at statuspostadulting. Exactly, Michelle. And be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.